Feast of Worship, your source for commentary and discussion on worship, theology, and culture. I'm your host, Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones. everyone, and welcome to the Act of Worship podcast. This is Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones. Great to be here and be back after a break over the Christmas holidays. And here we are back in January, going at it strong again on the podcast. And I have some great things planned for this spring. Um, uh, So we're, we're getting in the swing of things right here, talking about a theological topic about Jesus and his mercy and how he does not stop with mercy, but he also restores. I'll get into that in a little bit, but I kind of want to tell you the plan of what I'm going to do this spring. Um, I think I'm going to start this next week. It may take a couple of weeks, but um, I want to cover the five solas from the Reformation era. Um, Many of you are familiar with the five solas. If you are not, uh, this is basically a concise presentation of the gospel and salvation. Uh, it's it's really a uh, it's really a doctrine of soteriology, and so how God's people are saved, and so the five solas are um, sola gratia, which is grace alone; sola fide, which is faith alone; solus Christus, which is Christ alone; sola scriptura, which is scripture alone; and then soli deo gloria to the glory of God alone. So uh, in in sequence, you would have that believers are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, according to scripture alone, and to the glory of God alone. And so there are five solas, uh, sola meaning only or alone. And so I want to cover these five solas over the next uh, few weeks, maybe most of the spring. I don't know how long it will take. I want to do a thorough job of it, and I think this is going to turn into another book um, that hopefully will be available at some point, but um, I want to get into the five solas and how important they are to us as Christians and why these five solas matter to all of us as believers. So uh, just to give you an idea of what's coming up, what's planned, but today... The topic, the title of this podcast is Jesus Does Not Stop With Mercy, He Also Restores. And so let's get into that today. I've heard it said that the church is the worst about shooting their own wounded while they are down. I think many believers have probably experienced this firsthand. I know I certainly have. Maybe many of you have. And in these cases, which are probably more common than people care to admit, the church reveals her flaws where a message of mercy is preached, but its application ends there. In other words, the mercy of God is is preached, but it is not extended through the people of God. It's just proclaimed as a mere verbal message. Uh, And we, we might not want to admit it, but that is sadly true in many cases. And to be imitators of Jesus... We need to realize that Christ does not stop with mercy because he also restores. In other words, God doesn't just forgive and say, bam, I'm done. You're forgiven for what you've done. No, he restores and makes us like him. And so scripture is replete with the message of not only God's mercy, but also his restoration. So let me give you some examples of that. Galatians 6.1 reads, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression... 
You who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Hosea 6.1 Come, let us return to the Lord, for he has torn us, that he may heal us. He has struck us down, and he will bind us up. There is a message of restoration. Jesus will heal us. Job 42.10 And the Lord restored the fortunes of Job. And many of us are familiar with that story and what happened to Job. He was restored. 1 Peter 5.10 And after you have suffered in a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Psalm 51.12 David writes this as a prayer. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And there are times where we need to ask the Lord to uh, restore us. Zechariah 9.12, Return to your stronghold, O prisoners of hope. Today I declare that that I will restore to you double. That's the Lord's uh, message of mercy, not only mercy, but restoration. Joel 2.25-26, I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the hopper, the destroyer, the cutter, My great army, which I sent among you, you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord, your God, who has dealt wondrously with you and my people shall never again be put to shame. That particular uh, passage was uh, very important to me in a difficult time in my life years ago. Uh, I had a very important person in my life tell me that constantly, that the Lord will restore to you the years that locusts have eaten. And you know, no matter how many mistakes we, we have made before we are Christians, but even after our salvation, when we fall, when we screw up, God has mercy on us and he restores us. That is his goal. At the heart of God's mercy is his restoration and conformity to the image of Christ. So to model the love of Jesus is to not stop with just a mere message of mercy, but to continually offer mercy, even when it is not deserved, and even when we do not want to give it, for the purpose of a person's restoration. So with Christ as our model, I want to give you three imperatives um, to a continuation of mercy through restoration. So the first imperative is that Jesus means what he says. If he's our model, we need to realize that he means what he says. He doesn't give false hope claiming that no one is beyond his reach, only to turn away someone who seeks him because of his or her sin. So unlikely, uh, unlike humanity, like, like like all humans, Jesus preaches a message of forgiveness, but he doesn't stop there because he in fact grants forgiveness and continues to invest in his people for the for the purpose of conformity to his image. And so in John 8, 31, when Jesus says, Neither do I con- condemn you, go, and from now on sin no more. He emphasizes God's continual work of mercy in his people's lives. So he says this to the woman who was caught in adultery. He says, Neither do I con- condemn you. Go and sin no more. So a lot of people get caught up in the neither do I condemn you and they stop there. Now hear me, that that's good enough <laughs> for most of us. We want to just receive the mercy of God and that's it. But Christ continues and he says, go and sin no more. So said, said another way, 
God does not guarantee mercy as a one-time act, but he continues to give it to his people with the aim of their restoration. So as Christians, we need to offer that same kind of mercy to others, especially those in the body of Christ. If a brother or sister fails, we need to not only act quickly to forgive, but also make clear that our goal is the person's restoration. So rather than say that we forgive someone but continue to show resentment toward that person, we need to truly forgive them really in an unparalleled manner as Christ would and do everything possible to bring about their restoration. And if we don't do that, we don't mean what we say or we don't imitate the example of Jesus Christ, but Jesus means what he says and he does not stop with mercy but continues to restoration. So the second imperative Jesus not only gives mercy, but he also provides righteousness. He grants righteousness to his people. He forgives his people in making mistakes, even the most massive of mistakes that you could possibly think of. I mean, I mean, you could think of, think of the most horrendous things someone could do. That person is not beyond God's reach, beyond his forgiveness. And sometimes these mistakes cause others to write those people off. And maybe you've experienced that. I know I have. I've made mistakes in my life that have caused people to write me off. What I know is this. Jesus offers forgiveness and he offers the hope of change. What a, what a marvelous news. What wonderful news for humanity. That no one is beyond the reach and the love and the mercy and the grace of God. I think many believers make the mistake of claiming, rightfully so, that Jesus can forgive anything, anyone, including the most heinous acts. But we to believe this claim is to act in accordance with it. In other words, what people say and what they, people do often do not line up. Otherwise, we give people empty words. Jesus truly changed some of the vilest people imaginable in Scripture, and he continues to do so today. The difference in what Jesus did and what many Christians do currently in only proclaiming the mercy of Christ with little to no action beyond that claim is the extra mile of seeing someone through to restoration. Think, think about church discipline as an example. I think church discipline, well, I know church discipline is biblical and it should be employed on, on occasions. But the purpose of church discipline as presented in Matthew 18 is restoration. It is not just to write that person off. In fact, that's not any of it. So someone should not be disciplined as punishment only for God's people to abandon that person. That person should be corrected to the point of restoration. The Apostle Paul teaches that Jesus became the sin of his people so that his people would become the righteousness of Christ in 2 Corinthians 5.21. So Jesus loves his people so much that he offers mercy and provides his own righteousness he doesn't just have mercy on people, but he offers his righteousness. And he expects that his people will be conformed to his image. So Jesus' mercy doesn't stop with the cross, but it continues to a point of change and restoration. The third imperative is this. Jesus does not accept people where they are. Okay, hear me on that. Jesus does not accept people where they are. He meets them where they are, but he loves them too much to allow them to remain. I've heard it said many times, and this is a common misconception, that Jesus accepts people where they are. He accepts you as you are. But again, I'm going to change that saying that Jesus doesn't accept us where we are, but he meets us where we are, and he loves us far too much to allow us to remain the same. 
So reflecting upon Christ's mercy, God's people should respond with a changed life. If restoration is the goal, and it is, God's mercy has a result. In other words, if restoration is not complete, perhaps that person has not experienced the mercy of God. Restoration is the effect, the consequence of God's mercy. Dietrich Bonhoeffer discusses the concept of cheap grace in his book, The Cost of Discipleship. I've, met, I've read it a couple of times, and I encourage you to read it if you have not. So cheap grace is likely far more, uh, far more common than many believers realize because most profession, professing Christians employ cheap grace by preaching the mercy of God without emphasizing the danger and the destruction of sin, nor God's grace, which emphatically changes and restores people. So in other words, people preach this message of hope and mercy saying, God loves you, come to the cross, come to Jesus, and then they stop there. And they might even say, God can change you. But then when that person comes to know Christ, there's nothing that happens beyond that. What people need to do is preach not only the mercy of God, but make it clear that when someone experiences the mercy of God, there is a life that is changed God's grace emphatically changes and restores people. If God did not love his people, he would allow them to remain the same. But conformity to Christ is the greatest joy a person can have. Jesus is our true joy. Nothing surpasses the treasure we have in Christ. So God meets people where they are, no matter their mistakes, no matter how heinous, no matter how terrible their mistakes. He meets people where they are, but he doesn't allow them to remain. He restores them. This is love. This is mercy. And this is mercy's purpose, restoration. So Jesus does not stop with mercy, but he aims toward restoration. So that is this week's, the first podcast back in the 2020 year of act of worship. Jesus does not stop with mercy, but he continues to restoration. He restores. And so what great news that is for us. I look forward to discussing more theological topics over the next few weeks, uh, specifically on the five solas. So I hope you will listen. And as I hash these out again, this uh, the five solas, this will likely turn into a book. Um, by the way, if you ever want to buy any of my books, there are digital copies on Amazon, um, or you can go to the book patch. I have hard copies there you can buy. I also have some music albums on Spotify, iTunes, any streaming um, source like that. And so I encourage you, hopefully it's, a, it's an encouragement and a blessing and an edification to the church. So thank you for listening to the Act of Worship podcast. This is Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones. Did it, did it.